Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us his forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake, grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and through obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given His only begotten Son to die for us and for His sake forgives us all of our sins. To those who believe on His name, He gives power to become the children of God, and He has promised them His Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, O Lord, unto us all. Amen. You may be seated and sing with me the baptismal hymn.
friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, in bringing this child to be baptized, you are observing what the will of our Lord is, who commanded baptism, saying in the last chapter of Matthew, Go therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And again, the Word of God says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for this promise is unto you and to your children. This child, as all others, was not born with faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, infants, though seemingly innocent, are, according to Scripture, by birth and nature, sinful. They cannot, therefore, of themselves, by their own reason or strength, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or come to Him. And yet faith in Christ is essential for salvation. For Scripture says, In Christ Jesus you're all sons of God through faith. And our Lord Jesus Himself said, No one comes unto the Father but by me. Therefore we can never thank God enough that He's made holy baptism that means by which His Holy Spirit creates that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in an infant's heart, that faith which links him to Jesus Christ. And thus the Apostle of our Lord says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And again, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. And so today, we once again, as we have so often before, see God here working. We here see God regenerating that which is spiritually dead, for Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration. Baptism is God's gracious work, it's not ours. Through it, the Christian life of worship has its beginning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Observe them, and see now the grace and the mighty work of our merciful God. Matthias Pong Hall, receive the sign of the Holy Cross upon thy forehead and in thy heart as a sign and mark that you have indeed been redeemed by Christ the crucified. Pray with me now the words of Luther's morning prayer and hear it as I speak it. The baptismal prayer. Almighty and eternal God, according to your just judgment, you condemned the unbelieving world through the flood. And yet, according to your great mercy, you preserved believing Noah and his family, eight souls in all. You drowned hard-hearted Pharaoh and all of his host in the sea. And yet you led your people Israel through the water on dry ground, foreshadowing this washing of your holy baptism. Through the baptism in the Jordan of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, you sanctified and instituted all waters to be a blessed flood and a lavish washing away of sin. We pray that you would behold this child according to your boundless mercy and bless him with true faith by the Holy Spirit, that through the saving flood all sin in him which has been inherited from Adam and which he himself would have committed since would be drowned and die. Grant that he may be kept safe and secure in the holy ark of the Christian church, being separated from the multitude of unbelievers, serving your name at all times with a fervent spirit and a joyful hope so that with all believers in your promise, he would be declared your saint and receive eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now before baptizing Matthias into the triune God, I ask you parents and sponsors here present 
to bear witness and publicly pledge that you will do these things. First of all, that you remember the child in your prayers. Secondly, that you would put him in mind of his holy baptism, that he would not forget what God in his mercy and grace is here unto God. And thirdly, sponsors, as much as in you lies, that you would give your counsel and aid, especially should he lose his parents, that he would be brought up in the true knowledge and worship of God, that he would be taught the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and thus as he grows in years that you would place also the sacred scriptures into his hands, bring him to the services of God's house, provide him with further instruction in his Christian faith, that he may then come to the sacrament of Christ's body and blood, and thus abiding in his baptismal grace and in communion with the church, that he may grow up to lead a godly life to the praise and to the glory of Jesus Christ. These things do you intend gladly and willingly to do? If so, say yes with the help of God. Yes, with the help of God. God enable you to do these works of his love, and may he and his might enable us to do by his grace all that we would of ourselves be unable to do. Sponsors, I now ask you in, to answer in the name and the stead of the child the questions that I address to him in order that all here might be reminded of what faith it is that the Holy Spirit works within this child through holy baptism. Matthias Palm Paul, do you renounce the devil and all of his works and all of his ways? If so, say, I do. I do. I do. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth? If so, say, I do. I do. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, who descended into hell on the third day, rose again from the dead, who ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead, and so say, I do. I do. And in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, if so say I do. I do. Will you be baptized then into this holy Christian faith, if so say I will? I will. We thank you, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, that through this washing of regeneration you have made this child your son. And we pray now that even as you have worked this faith in your son through him, that he might have your son's life and have it abundantly, that you would sustain him in this faith throughout all the days of his life and bring him finally to that eternal day that knows no end through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
have turned for me my morning into dancing. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you for ever. O Lord my God, I cry to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, O Lord, who is and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. You have turned for me my morning into dancing. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. And on earth is good will toward men. We praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee. We glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father of Almighty, O Lord. Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of God the Father, and take us away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that take us away the sin of the world, Thou that sit 
Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament reading from the 34th chapter of the prophet Ezekiel. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy and I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep and between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder and thrust it all weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall be no longer prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, and I have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Epistle Lesson from the first chapter of 1 Timothy. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I'd acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Glory be to thee, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing nearer to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or that what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Confess with me our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, 
the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text from the 15th chapter of St. Luke, beginning this way. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats together with them. And so Jesus told them a parable. So far our text. Dear friends, in our Lord Jesus Christ, some years ago a man was arrested on the charge of murder. Now this was big news in this community. After all, the char- it, it was murder. The local television news station had reporters covering the story. And one day, not too long after this news broke, the news station televised the comments of the man's pastor who'd come to visit him in his incarceration. The Lutheran pastor remarked to the reporters who'd all drawn near to hear him and to the television audience who heard him through the television cameras. He remarked, it may surprise some people to know that John is still a member of our congregation. Well, it most certainly surprised the Pharisees and the scribes that Jesus welcomed the equally infamous of their day. Publicans, tax collectors, those who were notoriously known for tipping the tax scales in their favor. Tax collectors and open sinners, those known publicly for their sins, those known by their sins. He welcomed them. He even ate together with them. Now you see, theirs was a day a time and a place, first century Palestine, when and where socially and culturally there was, a, there was a general Pharisaic, ostentatious holiness about life. It was the kind of holiness that was, that was worn on the sleeve. It was worn where it could be all the more easily seen. And being all the more easily seen, it could be all the more easily appreciated by those who saw it. Now that hasn't really gone away. Social measures of holiness, no, no longer is it so integrally tied to the religious aspect of things, but that social moral holiness, it remains in every age in our day. Often it's gauged by how tolerant of others you're perceived to be, how politically correct you're in, inclined to be. Or in the minds of a zealous number, Social moral holiness today is measured largely or maybe mostly by how far green you've gone in your environmental or your ecologic piety. There they were wearing their whitewashed and their well-pressed lives. Engaging others by their well-pressed lives. These Pharisees, these scribes, they grumbled. And mind you, they grumbled not at them. They grumbled not at the, the, the sinners, the open sinners and the tax collectors. At whom did they grumble? At Jesus. At Jesus, saying within themselves, well, if Jesus should be welcoming and dining with anyone, well, it shouldn't be them. Because after all, they were tax collectors. They were open sinners. By all Pharisaic estimations of the day, they were a rather revolting lost cause. You know that sort of sentiment lives on 
Do you know where? Do you know where this wear it on your sleeve holiness is most problematic of all? Do you know where, maybe more quickly than anywhere, the sizing up of one's personal piety so quickly then translates into either an esteemed holiness, an appreciated greatness about one, or it translates into, well, he's rather a lost cause. Do you know where? It's precisely in the place where it should not be, in the church. In fact, under different banners, this, this same combination of wear it on your sleeve holiness and measured personal piety, it's plagued the church for centuries. In Christ's day, it was all tied in and mixed up with Phariseeism. In Luther's day, it was rich, seen richly in, in the Romish system of the so-called saints or the good works or the holy orders, which effectively separated Christians into castes, different classes. After Luther's time and still to this day, it's particularly affected the Lutheran church under the name and banner of pietism. So-called pietism, because it was taught, wrongly taught, that by the measure of one's outward piety, that the sincerity and the genuineness and even the certainty of his faith and devotion can be known. We'll call it Phariseeism or call it pietism. Call it what you will. It is what you call it. Whenever we'd grumble that so-and-so's Bible isn't as worn and well used as a good Christian's really ought to be. It's what you call it when we grumble that so-and-so doesn't show the, the measure of zeal for the church and for the church's work that a good Christian really ought to show. It's what you call it when anyone would be pursued by the church would be pursued with more vigor than another one because that first one would be seen to be more of a promising asset to the congregation in the congregation's life. And well, the second one, well, we don't say it, but maybe more work than it's, well, it is what you call it. When forgetting that Scripture says all we like sheep have gone astray, it's what you call it whenever there'd be any kind of resentment. Like that of the older brother, remember, of the prodigal son? When there'd be any kind of resentment that Jesus would welcome again to himself and in his church any repentant and returning prodigal son or daughter, no matter how lost a cause he or she seems, at least to me, to be. Directed at our harbored resentment. And then again, directed also to our own, perhaps our own regret for having been the one to go far astray. It seems that one in the same time directed at both of these things, Jesus tells a parable and he says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country? And go after that one that's lost until he finds it. 
Now it's perhaps helpful to know a little of Palestinian, let's call it pastoral practice, shepherding practice. Generally it was the case, not certainly not always, but often it was the case that there were at least two shepherds, perhaps more watching a given flock grazing in open pasture, so that if one sheep were to wander off, that one of the shepherds or more could stay with, with the general flock, and then the other shepherd could go in search of that one that wandered off. But even at that, though, when we'd consider the costs of expending time and effort, maybe even the danger to us, and trying to recoup the loss of really what's just one out of a hundred, is it, is he the ram, is, is she the ewe lamb really worth it? Well, here Jesus plays, and he plays well, the heartstrings of his hearers, appealing to the God-instilled sense of human compassion. And he says, which man of you would not go? You would, wouldn't you? You would because he's lost. You would because even if he doesn't know that he's lost, you can well imagine how frightened he'll be when he does realize that he's lost. You would because when sheep are lost, they lock up and they freeze. And that's why they don't come wandering home by themselves. You would because you know better than the sheep how dangerous and perilous for him it is to be lost. You would because even a sheep even one out of a hundred is still a sheep that you feed. And a sheep that you tend and, and one that you know, one for whom you care. For a sheep lost, you would. For you, a soul lost, Christ Jesus did. Now it meant clothing himself in the frailty, the Son of God, clothing himself in the frailty and the vincibility of our flesh. It meant descending from his heights into the dark valleys of our depths where we'd wandered into the mire of our sin. The pursuit of you, and I mean you. No matter how lost a cause you think yourself to be, his pursuit of you meant a great cost to him. St. Peter, Peter who must have felt before like one of those lost causes, remember having thrice denied even knowing his Lord when he swore to him that he wouldn't? Peter summed up the cost to Christ of, of his pursuit of you in these words. He said, he wrote, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, having through baptism, having died to sins, might now live unto righteousness. And then Peter adds these words, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. To him was it worth the cost I let him answer the question for you. Because he goes on in the parable to say, and when he found the lost one, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And then he directly addresses, with no more parabolic imagery, he addresses those who hear him and he says, And just so I tell you, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous ones who would need no repentance. And by these words of Christ, by these words, I can tell you that there's joy in heaven today. There's joy in heaven today because little Matthias Hall has been found. He's been found and Matthias, who departed the baptismal font today, high upon his Lord's shoulders. And as he did, all of heaven rejoiced with us. There's joy in heaven today because of those having wandered long, perhaps very long, and far, have returned again to church pews today. Drawn, perhaps, by the gentle beck and call of their shepherd. Drawn, perhaps, by life circumstances through which the shepherd works. Drawn, they've drawn near again to confess with us all their sin and to hear Jesus forgive their sin. And heaven rejoices with us. There's joy in heaven today because one, one who holds weakly... Week after week, a place in church pews, perhaps in these very church pews. One who holds that place week after week, and yet who's wandered far from Christ in the privacy of his own heart and thoughts and deeds, has returned today, repentant, restored. There's joy in heaven today because you and I, have come here to repent of what we are and have been and gratefully to receive the forgiveness that brands our lives and marks and defines your days ever more deeply and ever more permanently than any sin ever could, ever has, or ever will. Do you think yourself a lost cause? Then I tell you, you're in the right place. For the Christ who meets you here through his word and at his altar and in his font, that same Christ is the one who said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. His cause, you see, is a lost cause, a cause for the lost. And today, I tell you, there's joy in heaven. Is there joy on earth? He tells us a second parable. Much like the first of a woman. A woman having lost a coin. A woman who having lost that coin searches until she finds it. And when she finds it, there's as much communal rejoicing as when the shepherd bears home that lost lamb. And why wouldn't there be? Wouldn't there be as much rejoicing among the lady 
of our Lord, his church, the bride? Wouldn't there be as much rejoicing here below as there is among the members of his church above whenever one repents and is found? How could we? How could we remain out in the field, as it were, like that disgruntled older, older brother of that returning prodigal? How could we refuse to rejoice? How could we not celebrate and raise the cup of fraternal joy? Because our brother, who was dead, is alive again. Who was lost, has been found. This second parable today, it's a good lesson for all the church. For what family member of ours would we consider expendable? And so she, the church, she'll search. She'll light the lamp of the pure gospel. She'll sweep the floor to its every corner until she finds that which is lost. And her pastors, let them all, under shepherds that they are, let them all pursue the wayward with the very determination of their Lord, never wearying to climb one more rise or scale one more ascent for the lost, who just may, over that next climb, just may be found. And her people, may they all in kindliest concern be truly mindful of each other. And in the most fraternal and gentle love, call out as a brother to a brother when our brother's gone missing from among us. Sometimes retrieving that lost coin, that brother. Sometimes it can get dirty, can it? So be it. For Christ, it got bloody. Martin Luther put it so well. Maybe you, you read it this morning in the bulletin today. He put it beautifully. And he said, A truly Christian work is it that we descend and get so mixed up in the mire of the sinner as deeply as he sticks there himself, taking his sin upon ourselves and floundering out of it with him, not acting otherwise than as his sin were our own. He said, we should rebuke and deal with him in earnest, and yet we are not to despise, but sincerely to love him. Friends, Christ's cause is a cause for the lost, that they may be and remain found. Therefore, mark it well. To Christ and to his church, there simply is no such thing, no such person as a lost cause. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
recalling how God has searched us out and rescued us in the Lord of our lost causes in the Christ Jesus. Let us now pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs, we pray. Merciful God, finder of the lost, hope of the wayward, restorer of those who go astray. Seek out and by your grace claim those who are far from you. Return those who have strayed from you and neglect your word and sacraments. Work repentance within them that indifference would be replaced by grateful praise as they receive those gifts by which Christ's forgiveness and righteousness becomes theirs through faith. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Eternal Father, strong to save. Look mercifully upon all your baptized sons and daughters, especially today do we thank you for the baptismal gift of faith, forgiveness, and life eternal that you've given to Matthias von Hall. Through his parents and sponsors, family and church, encourage that faith within him. And by your grace, sustain it unto eternal life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Sustain, O Father, the faith of us all, that as your people we would celebrate our heritage as we do today, that faith passed down from generation to generation, especially on this Grandparents' Day. Do we thank you for the encouragement and the faith that we've received from faithful grandparents? On this, our Heritage Sunday, we ask also that you would bless all those who teach and learn in the Sunday school, the catechetical classes, the Bible classes of this congregation, May your word be faithfully and rightly taught among us and diligently learned that we may all grow in the grace of Christ and be sustained by it from the youngest to the oldest. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. A God of power and might, sustain the nations of the earth and lead them in the way of justice and truth. Grant us faithful, honest, and upright leaders who will defend the life and liberty of every citizen at home and abroad. Grant wisdom to our citizenry as we consider the issues of our times and select men and women to represent us in the various branches of government, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. Almighty God, watch over and defend all the members of our armed forces, as well as those who guard our borders and those who protect us from acts of violence, from acts of terrorism and disorder within our communities, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. Grant aid and comfort, O Lord, to those who grieve the loss of their homes to hurricanes, winds, or to flood, or to fire. Especially today do we pray for all whose homes were lost in the explosions and fires of San Bruno this past Thursday. Through the assistance of government and the caring of family and friends and neighbors and charitable institutions, sustain them through these difficult times and enable them to rebuild. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Merciful Lord, you know the joys of all, especially that of your servants Okan and Ini Ubo, who celebrate the 34th anniversary of marriage, Dale and Fran Jenkins, who celebrate 52 years of marriage, and Slim and Mickey Paul, who celebrate 69 years of marriage this week. Continue to bless each of these couples with your love in their homes and grant them your abiding presence. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. You know, O Lord, the needs of all. We ask you especially to search out those who are suffering from illness and injury. Bless the hospitalized, especially Dick Much, those recovering after hospitalization, Marilyn Brewer, 
Grant a speedy recovery to those who have undergone surgery, Vivian Sachs. Be with all who are suffering the afflictions of age. And bless your younger sons, William Orton and Michael Bruno, who live daily with the challenges of their chronic conditions. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Almighty God, we remember with joy those who have gone before us in the faith. Bless their memory among us, that inspired by their faithful examples, we may be grateful for our heritage of faith and cling to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend then all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and and that wisdom which comes down from above, that your word as becomes it may not be bound, but rather have free course and be preached to the joy and the edifying of Christ's holy people, that in steadfast faith we may serve you, and in the confession of your name abide unto the end, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.